I'd like to think if Pastor Brian was led to do a series on forgiveness, then somebody in this room needs to hear what God has to say about forgiveness. But before we get started, I want to make sure that uh, I kind of set the room straight. So I, 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 I need your help. I need you to tell somebody before we begin, things will get better because God got my back. Now, maybe you don't need anything to get better in your life, but if you really need some things to get better for you, I want you to tell somebody else, and I want you to meet it, and I want you to tell them things will get better because God has got my back. Go ahead. Right. For some of you, that's still a little new to do that, but hopefully you feel like that as we go into uh, what can be a rough topic, which is forgiveness. Um, I like to think that a lot of us have been affected by um, unforgiveness or having to forgive somebody. And if you haven't, maybe somebody besides you has. So maybe you can be praying for them as we uh, go through our lesson on today. Uh, if you have your manuals or if you have your booklets, uh, they were in the back on that table. Week two, the title is Transforming Our Pain. Transforming Our Pain. Uh, I believe a lot of us who are dealing with unforgiveness or having to forgive somebody may need help and rescue as to transform that pain and what to do with that pain inside of us. That's just real. Pastor Brian is a person I like to think is very, very, very real and transparent. Uh, so uh, he felt and was led to, to do this particular week on transforming our pain. And I want to help you if you've been in that situation where you need to transform some of that pain. Remember what I just said in the beginning, God got your back. Let us immediately dive into the Word. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to be before you long. I won't be before you long. I want to give this to you, and I want you to think about this, and I want it to bless your soul as we go forward. I want you to go home to feel better than you did before you came here, um, and that is in about uh, forgiveness and unforgiveness. Our scripture reading today will be from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And it reads, and I'm going to read this in the ESV version this, this time. I read it in the NLT the last time. I read it in the ESV version this time. It reads, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said, to, Jesus said to him after he said that, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Verse 23 says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants 
who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and you should, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Jesus. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I want to talk to you today from the title, Who's the King? Who's the King? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity to grow and to get a blessing and to receive from you on today. I thank you, God, that in your presence things change and I'll feel better. I look forward, God, today to, to helping uh, these, your people, move forward, especially if they're struggling in the area of forgiveness. I pray for them, God, that you would allow the words that come from me to register into their hearts and that they would be changed from it and that you would speak to them on today. That is what's most important. We thank you, God, for being real with us and taking care of us each and every day throughout our weeks, for blessing us, for even bringing us here today. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, you have uh, allowed us and helped us and provided for us to get us here right now. We thank you for every victory, every triumph, everything we've come over, God. You have blessed us, and we just thank you today. Help us, God, as we go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who's the king? So often we can find things to be important in our lives. Things, things. It's tough, it's tough to put a title on some of these things like desires and pleasures and occupations and, and endeavors and our identity and, and self-esteem. But these types of things, these things can turn into distractions. These things can really turn into distractions. I want to look at forgiveness from a little bit different perspective. Often, it can be seen even from the beginning that the enemy had tried to use things or a thing to distract Adam and Eve and distract their relationship that they had with God. And I really believe as I study this that so often when we're hurt and we deal with this unforgiveness, it's a distraction to our relationship, our, our relationship that we have with God ultimately gets us off. Now we're carrying some pain and, and we're trying to deal with that and God cannot use us like he would want to use us. It can be a hurdle, it can be a problem. And I just want to go forward and help you today. Um, these things, I think some of them, uh, Peter and some of the disciples might have been distracted and might have been thinking about. Where, were, where was their mind at following Jesus? What was that like? That had to be tough. 
had to be tough following him. And I can't imagine what people would say to them from time to time. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of Christians around. Had to be a struggle from, from moment to moment. And as we see in the beginning of chapter 18, we have Jesus instructing them and trying to help them know how to be good leaders. I think we all desire to be good leaders in one way, shape, or form, but he was trying to tell them how to be good leaders. So he starts off sharing with them uh, uh, to help them with their, their character and their values, um, such as how to be, uh, not to be intimidated by others, casting out demons. Uh, also, uh, he shows them how to be humble, pure in thought. Uh, he talks about uh, the little baby and how he, 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 he desires for them to be <laughs> humble and pure just like that, all right? Um, but then he gets to a place where he starts to talk to them about how to rebuke your brother. And to me, when I see this verse, he talks about uh, rebuking them if they did something wrong to you. Uh, then he goes into, well, if that doesn't work in the church setting or the context of being with your Christian brothers, go get two or more people to help you work that situation out. Then if that doesn't work, go get the church, talk with the church about the situation. Uh, but the, the, the reality is sometimes, and I think Peter was feeling this, sometimes it doesn't always work out that smoothly. Where you see the person, you can just work it out, you can just talk about it, and just get through it. How many of you have been in situations where it just didn't work out that smoothly by show of hands? Thank you for being honest with me today. That helps me a whole lot. So as we move forward, I think Peter had another question for Jesus. In fact, he did. So Jesus, can we take this a little bit further? Yeah, I see this. But I can't imagine some of the things that he might have been dealing with through the course of his travels and walking with Jesus. We encounter some things that, that we don't even like telling other people we deal with as we walk with Jesus. I can't imagine what he was dealing with at this point. And he asked him a deeper question. He says, hey, Jesus, like, maybe he talked like that. Uh, hey, Jesus, man, like, uh, tell me how many times I'm supposed to forgive. I don't know if somebody, you know, did something wrong to him when they were fishing. I don't know if he was really burnt up about something. But he asked, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? And he throws out the number seven. Now, most of you might know, maybe you, many of you might not know. Usually in that culture, you only got three times. So he trumps that with seven. He says, that, you know, seven, the, the amount of times that we should forgive somebody. Jesus comes back to him and said, no. Again, maybe that's how Jesus talked, but he said, no. He said, uh, 77. Or 70 times 7. In the Hebrew, they say, they calculate that as 77. And when he shares this with Peter, uh, I, I, I really think that he was trying to get across to him, there's a mindset that we have to have when it comes to forgiving. A pure mindset. It's not about the numbers, not about the multiplication, you young ones, but it's about the mindset. I'm reminded of a scripture in Colossians. I think it's Colossians 3.13, where it said that when you leave your house, before you even leave, you should have a mind to say, look, today I might need to forgive somebody before I even walk out the door. Something might even happen to me. But he's trying to drive home. We have to have a mindset of forgiveness. But let's be real. That's kind of, that's kind of tough sometimes when you really have been hurt by something. And let me get this out there and throw this out. Some of us may be still not forgiving ourselves. We walk in unforgiveness from maybe some of the stuff we've done. But I want to come get you today. I want to help you. Hopefully, you know, I, I, I can provide you a blessing today to say that God wants to help us get through this by looking at it, hopefully, a different way 
and you are being blessed by it. So, the Lord says, look, let me help you, Peter. Let me give you another story to work through your questioning. I'm not sure all you went through. Then again, he is sure because he's God. But let me help you through your questioning. Let me give you this story. Here's the story. King has a servant. Servant owed the king what people say is about $290 million. I think that's wild. I think that's crazy. But that's what commentators say he owed him. He says, look, hey, I need um, your help, king, because I know I owe you money. The king says, look, I'm going to need your whole family and you. I'm going to need to put you guys away so you can work this off. King has pity. The king forgives him. Hopefully you guys may know, maybe you guys don't know, that king represents God in our lives, giving us another chance over and over and over again. I don't even think we can calculate how many times we have sinned and how many times we have messed up. But it's important first to understand that he forgives us over and over and over and over again. And so, that same servant who's forgiven then has an opportunity to do that to somebody else. He has a servant as well, which I think is kind of ironic, but he has a servant. The servant has a servant, and he owed him something. And it was very small. The, the whole idea was very small. It was a very small amount. And so, he doesn't want to forgive him. He's upset. Uh, ESV version, a lot of the versions say that he went to go choke him. Guys falls to the ground and doesn't show him any pity. Hopefully, that's not us. Hopefully, we're persons who are not uh, forgetting how much God has forgiven us and still struggle or, or struggle to forgive somebody else. Hopefully, that's that's not us. Hopefully, we're remembering the Lord has forgiven us so, so, so many times, and we don't think about that, or we remember that when it's time to forgive somebody else. But I had a good hunch in this lesson and in this story that maybe that's not enough. Maybe your situation is just not that smooth. Maybe it's a situation that's a little bit deeper than that. Maybe the person's not in front of you for you to go rebuke. Maybe it's the person that really has done something to you that, that hurts you and still hurts you. The hurt has not went away. Maybe it's still there. This could be a, a, a friend. This could be somebody you met at, at your job. This could be somebody who did something to you, and you're still dealing with this pain. It wasn't as smooth as you just walking up to somebody at church or somebody came and bowed before you and asked for forgiveness. Maybe it's something you're really, really, really still dealing with and it's distracting you, and it's kind of messing you up. I want to try to help you today to understand there are some other ways that we can look at our moment and our place with unforgiveness and dealing with that, that hurt. And there is. Uh, I was listening to John Piper. How many of you are familiar with John Piper? I know Pastor Brian likes to quote these really rich and strong thinking uh, uh, um, Bible teachers or, or theologians. But mine today is John Piper, and he really blessed me, and I just want to share some of this with you guys on today. How we can face and deal with unforgiveness as we dig a little bit deeper, especially if it's not in those scenarios and it's a little bit deeper. There's some issues that come to play when it's still bothering you, when it's still working on you. We know the Bible says that 
We are supposed to love our enemies. And it's funny how and interesting how these same people who are cool with us, who do this thing, tend to become our enemies. They tend to become people who we have agreements with. Yeah, we love them, but they kind of feel like our enemies. And we know the issue in following what the Lord tells us to do is that we need to love our enemies. First uh, Peter 3 and 9 says, Do not repay evil for evil, but to the contrary, bless. For to do this, you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Here we're told how to relate to a person who's not repenting. Don't return evil for evil, but bless them. Here the Christian chooses not to be the punisher, but to treat others better than they've been hurt. So that's the first thing we have to deal with. When it's still there, we know we have to do right, so we have to do that. The second thing, the issue could be for us that we know we still have to do, is we have to forbear. We have to show endurance. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on as God-chosen ones holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. We know God has done this for us, and we have to do this for somebody else, but it still can be rough to do that. So this is still an issue. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13.7, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, bears and forbears. Again, the issue, we still have to do these things because the Bible says so. Even Peter and James says, love covers a multitude of things. So those issues there, we still have to, we know we have to do. But here's the obstacles. Here's the reality. Here's the real obstacles that we face. One of the main obstacles is if we do this authentically, very few people, if anybody, will know that we've been hurt. I read that again. If we do this authentically, very few people, people, if anybody, will know that we've been hurt. We don't get to show then when we do all these things that somebody else has hurt us to the people or the person who actually did it. Here's another obstacle. If we're returning good for evil, then we're not moping around or our countenance has not been cast down. We're not bringing attention to our woundedness. We're acting in a cheerful, hopeful, gracious way, and nobody will have any idea that we've been insulted or put down or cheated. But here's the rub. This is what Piper says. Here, here's the rub. Almost everything in our sinful soul cries out against that. Almost everything in us cries out against doing it that way. We want people to know that we've been hurt. We want people to pity us and sympathize with us, recognize that our effort to return good for evil is a noble effort in the face of much difficulty. And perhaps most of all, we want the person who has wounded us to be aware that they have wounded us. We don't want to act in a way that looks as if they didn't hurt us, that looks like it makes light of the fact that they wounded us or insulted us, or put us down, or criticized us in an inappropriate way, or cheated us. And all of this is a huge obstacle to obeying the Lord when He says, do not return evil for evil, but bless those that do you harm. Here's the key that has been said to be, and He says to be most convicting to him in this process. Here's the key. He says to be most convicting to him, and it was convicting to me too, and I hope this bless you. And here it is. He says this. He then says, he says, how important and how satisfying to us is the fact that 
God knows we've been hurt. That God understands and God attends to us and God feels with us and that he is a merciful high priest. Is that enough? What this showed me, he says, was how deeply his heart and our hearts tend to be oriented on other people more than it's oriented on God. Our great need, his great need, he says, is that God be more real to us than other people are. I don't know if you've been hurt, but sometimes the things that people can do to you can hurt so bad, you see all but what they did, and you miss seeing God in that particular moment or that season of your life, and you walk through life really messed up and really hurt about that thing that has really messed you up. And the enemy's plan, and this has come all the way from the beginning, is to take our minds off the goodness and love of Jesus Christ in our lives. And once he gets that, he's happy. He's jumping around. One kid says at Logos, he got us like puppets then. Oh, I got them angry. I got them mad. Now they're walking around hurting other people because they've been hurt. And the enemy has now won. He's achieved his goal. I want to encourage you, let's transform our pain by focusing more on he who is real and already knows about it, then taking it on and try to handle it on ourselves. When God sees us returning good for evil, He knows everything. He knows we've been insulted or treated unjustly or cheated. He knows. He knows it. He's sympathetic, and He sees that we are returning good for evil. When harm has been done to us, He sees that we are obeying Him, and He sees we are loving our adversary. 1 Peter 2.19 says, This is a gracious thing with God when we suffer unjustly and return good for evil. God delights in it. We've pleased God in that moment. And the key passage that I think we have to come to terms with is 1 Peter 2.23, which says, When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself and calls to him who judges justly. Jesus had every opportunity to do that with people spitting on you, people throwing stuff at you, people you helped, people you cried about and prayed for. But what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And if you think even more deeply about it, he had to know, I can't leave this cross with any unforgiveness in my spirit and my soul. Let me let all of this go now as they do what they do, because I have something I need to do for them in the future that is going to change history. And I think God is saying the same thing to us. There's some things we need to just let go and turn our focus more so to his realness than to our pain so that we can go forward and he can use us and we can do all those mighty things he has planned for us. I know it's tough, 
But that's what he's desiring for us to do today. So my question that I have for you, my friends and brothers and sisters at York Alliance, and for anybody who finds themselves like us or in that particular situation, is this. Is it enough for God to know our sorrow, for God to know our pain, for God to know our disappointment, our frustration, and can we hand our cause entirely over to God? Can we move forward treating others better than they treat us, even if it means only God knows and nobody else? That's how real God has to become to us. Anger, when it stays, it becomes like a cancer, eating up your energy, creativity, happiness, and peace. I want to speak to somebody who's really dealing with this. Can't you wait to get, let that thing go so you could just go forward and really fulfill those things God has for you? Imagine what life would be like. I just want to encourage you today. Focus on how real God is, but also remember this verse right here. Bible says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. There's no questions there. That's, that's the promise. That's the guarantee. I will give you rest. I'm going to leave you with this. I just want to encourage you. And when I think about an example of somebody who fought through an opportunity to be unforgiving, somebody that came to mind, I really think about is Joseph. Joseph had every right to be upset, be angry, and be mad. Your own people throw you into a ditch. They sell you into slavery. We don't even have a uh, inkling of what that could even be like. Let you go with some people that you, they don't even know. And Joseph comes back and says to them, the phrase I want you to take with you today, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for my good. You don't have to walk in that thing no more. You can let it go. And you can know today that thing's not king. But who's the king? king is Jesus Christ. He forgives us all the time. He died for our sins. He loves us, and He's there to embrace us and accept us when we're ready to come to Him. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Help us, God, be a blessing. Help us, God, go from looking at our pain and feeling that hurt to looking at you. God, I pray, God, that you would increase your realness into our lives. Help us to get through this season so that we can be advocates and praisers and examples of how great you are. Help us to go forward and help others. 
Help us to leave here today without that pain attached to us, free, yet with another, with another testimony of your greatness and your power and your goodness unto us. I just thank you, God, for being one I can trust, being one I know when I needed to come to, you were there for me. And if there's anybody here today, oh God, who is trying to get through this particular rough hurt or hardship or pain, I pray, God, that you would help them right now in Jesus' name, that they would never have to deal with this again. And then you would just show them, look, because of my power, I'm going to help you walk over this thing and deal with it. But then come out stronger than you were before. Show them, God, you have so many great things planned for them in the future. And help them erase and delete their pain. On that cross, we know you took all the pain for us. Let us give it over to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All God's people say amen.